Hello, and welcome to Gospel Talk, the podcast that dives into the Christian heart and explores the gospel and what it means to follow Christ. Each episode, join us, Robert, Zach, and Brian, along with other special guests from time to time, as we seek to explain Christianity and share the truth of the gospel with all who will hear. So with that, let's Gospel Talk. Zach, uh, welcome back. Um, hope uh, hope everyone's recovered from uh, last episode. Um, I know we covered a lot, <laughs> had time oh, yes. to kind of ab- absorb all that, but I think there's really good discussion in there. I had a lot of fun with that, um, and oh, hopefully we can pick up the same momentum here. So, um, uh, absolutely, Zach, yeah, Zach, Robert, uh, what are we diving into on this episode? All right, with this episode, uh, to follow up with the discussion about the existence of God, going directly into the most common question that people have other than his existence is, why is there suffering in the world if there is a good, all-powerful God out there? It's the one thing that really hits people the hardest, because it's one thing to talk about the fascination you have with DNA and the universe and morality, as soon as something tragic actually happens to you, it's not mm-hmm. a discussion. It is your life. You're stuck with it. You can't change the channel. Yep. Uh, your child yep. is your child is dead. Your spouse has left. Um, that car wreck can't be undone. The news is what it is. So you ask, why, how could these things possibly be? So we'll be talking about that a little bit. Wow. Does it whet your appetite there out there? <laughs> if it doesn't, we'll get a there's going to be a lot more of it. No, I mean, there, there's not a single person out there, uh, no matter what you believe, uh, there's no one out there who hasn't suffered in, in some way, shape, or form. So I, I, I totally agree with you, Robert. Suffering kind of hits us at the at the core of our being because it's it's very personal, and it's something that we can all relate to because we've all been through it so uh yeah why why would an all all good um all benevolent god why would he allow suffering i mean i think of some famous names um charles darwin he's connected to the evolutionary debate um Mm -hmm. albert einstein who created relativity theory both these men they actually started to question the existence of a god based on the suffering in their personal lives uh, there's a very famous book. If anyone has studied this enough, it will probably come up. But you know, why do bad things happen to good people? It was written by an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. The reason he wrote the book was because of the death of a child. And so it's like you said, it's that constant theme in, in the human experience is you will experience some kind of suffering. So if you're ever going to come to a point of belief, you've got to come to this idea, this this reconciliation between the belief in the God of the cosmos who sent his son and this idea that he sent this, the, that, that son into the world where all of this craziness is happening. And I believe it all wraps up really well if you understand the Christian story in full, the way we actually view the world from start to finish, it all wraps up very nicely. And so 
Zach will be with us before long, but first I'm going to be talking about the, what they call the, the natural side to the evil problem, uh, the dilemma between evil and God. So the natural side uh, basically talks about the natural world. Um, why are there tornadoes? Why are there hurricanes? Why do uh, disasters happen? Why does disease set in? I remember at a church that um, me and Zach both used to serve at, uh, the pastor's own granddaughter, who was only seven at the time, slowly eaten away by leukemia. Um, the whole church had to face that question. Um, you know, every time another hurricane takes out another town and the whole world or country has to watch it on the news, we have to ask that question. Or, or even so much as you see a country... So basically disintegrate and destroy itself as it fights to reestablish control with somebody else in the helm or you know a country invades another country and you know that kind of gets into a little bit more like the moral uh problem of suffering but still those 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 things happen and and it and it asks the question it begs the question why mhm so uh, to to get into the natural side of suffering, and again, Zach will be picking up the moral side in a moment, but the natural can't be explained away the way Zach can explain the moral side. So that's why there are two sides to the answer. Uh, the natural has to come first, one, because the natural world's inescapable. You and I, once we are born, this sounds melodramatic, but once we are born, we are doomed can't get out of this world without death it's just no. it is what it is <laughs> but uh i mean jesus himself actually faced this very question um a tower fell on some construction workers and people came to jesus i believe this is in luke 13 they came to jesus and asked him why why would this happen why would your father allow this to be and Jesus' answer is a great reflection for anybody's answer here who believes the Christian worldview. Because in order to answer the problem of evil well, you've got to accept the whole worldview from top to bottom, every corner of the Christian universe, so to speak. And so the idea is God made us, we were good, evil crept in because we disobeyed, I always love to use the metaphor of a smartphone. You plug in your smartphone, you charge the battery, it's at 100%. That's sinlessness. We're plugged into God's presence. Due to evil creeping in, God, being eternally, infinitely holy, cannot come in contact with evil and imperfection, so he had to unplug the world from himself. And so the, now the battery is slowly going down. 60%, 50%, 20%. And someday... According to the Christian story, when Jesus returns and redeems all of creation to himself, the very last chapter, the last page, he's going to plug the world back into himself, and that battery is going to stay at 100% forever. And so that is the entrance of the, the natural problem of evil, is we live in a world that's been unplugged from God because of wickedness. It's kind of the idea of a watch, a intricate, complex thing. We talked about that in organisms last time, but... This time you have a, me a mechanism that's obviously made by human hands. If any gear in that goes aloft, it starts to tick differently, and that is our world. We are a watch that's ticking a little bit off, mm -hmm. and when it happens, the world notices. The people who live in it stop and ask why, 
And I believe that's one reason God chooses to allow some of those things to happen. C.S. Lewis, the author, called it the alarm clock. As things starts to buzz, something bad happens, and you realize there's got to be something more than what's in this world. Because the more comfortable you are, the more prone you are to ignore the warning signs until something finally hits you in the face. So the very question itself should point us to the idea that our hearts just are not satisfied with the world we're given. It must point to something beyond us, or else we have to die without a good answer. Ironically, that's the view of the world without God that people sometimes prefer for whatever reason without thinking through the implications of that. Ah, okay. A world where they have to die without the answer. Sorry. No, no. So I, I guess what you're saying, um, that that's a <laughs> that's a really cool way of thinking about it. So I, I guess what you're saying is if if there is no God and things are, are how they are, human condition wouldn't be to ask, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, this has got to be better than this because um, if if there wasn't God and this was just the state of things, we would just accept suffering as, oh, well, this is just how it is. Um, I guess I'm just going to go along my way. And we wouldn't kind of have those questions of, of doubt of why. But I guess what you're saying is because we ask that question of why is this happening, you know, there, there's got to be something better than, than my condition. Um, that that kind of points points to that. Exactly. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, uh, exactly. Because if you accept this view of the world where we just evolved by chance, you have this idea where this sense of why was somehow evolved into us. And that's a big waste of energy if it's going to evolve into us for no problem, because for no reason, because that's unnecessary stress. Existential angst is very (laughs) unnecessary in creatures. If you're only real, Real concern should be eating, sleeping, and procreating before you get too old so that, mm-hmm. the, you know, so that the animals can just keep going on and the species can continue. Why would that much energy be evolved into us to where we would sit around and worry about it? And yet that's exactly what humans do the most whenever it happens. That was uh, part of Jesus' response to the man over the tower. He said, he said first of all, take this in the sense that you know those people who suffered were any more sinful than the uh, people who did not suffer such a disaster. Uh, you think our modern version would be the people who fell at 9-11. They were no more wicked or sinful than anybody who survived 9-11. He said, you know, you've got to understand, everybody listening to me right now, Jesus talking, you all have to understand, crowd in, in this town that's listening to me preach, you've all got to understand that we're all part of the great disaster. The fall of humanity from God's presence. That is what I have come to save you from. Quoting Jesus still. This is what I have come to save you from. The tower is just the evidence of what's unseen. I, being God, see it, and I have come to save you from it. But you're so comfortable you don't see it, but now you've gotten a tiny taste in the fall of the tower. So in the towers in our world fall, to get metaphorical, that is the time that the invitation for all of us to come to him is made. Because when a tornado comes, they all, all these things have their purpose. Uh, the shifting of tectonic plates leads to earthquakes. Uh, the flow of the air in our environment leads to tornadoes and hurricanes. When these things fly off the handle in one way or another and cause 
some kind of disastrous episode for people should tell us that, yeah, the world is fine-tuned like we talked about last time. That fine-tuning is slightly off. And so to have your cake and eat it too, a fine-tuned world that has flaws, that is the Christian view. God made it. We separated from him. Now, to an extent, we're out here on our own. He's still here. He's still sovereign over it. There's a certain point of connection that is missing because of the fall into sin. There's a certain point that is missing that Jesus' death covers. And not to get too far ahead to talk about Jesus that's coming in the next couple of episodes, but Jesus' coming leads to the solution to that. And so in order for someone to try to argue that the presence of natural wickedness, natural disasters, disease, horrors that we can't control, have no explanation in human action, these things fall directly in line with what the very the very story of the Bible teaches. This world was broken, but God so loved the world. And so you've got to be willing to take the, the first half of the sentence in order to get to the second half. Before you get to the eternal life part, you've got to understand, well, if God so loved the world, he sent his son, what's up with the world that he would actually send a son to begin with? Because God could just be up there loving the world if everything was peachy. For God so loved the world he sent, why would he even send him? It's because of the very things that cause us to stay up at night wondering. And so this is this is the whole Christian view of natural evil in a nutshell. And to kind of land the plane with it, because once you understand the fall and what it did to creation, that alone, if you're willing to accept it, should explain the natural side of evil. Why is there a problem? Well, the very reason you're asking why is because you know something is wrong. Something in your heart is telling you that it is wrong. So the whole idea of the word gospel means good news. And so when we see the disaster, our hearts are meant to turn towards good news, and he's the God of good news. That's the great Christian response to the presence of natural evils. But uh, now we can turn it over to Zach, and he can discuss some moral aspects of the problem of evil, because not everything is natural, because nature can describe tornadoes and earthquakes, but that doesn't describe serial killers and rape and horror and other things, but this is his, his go. All right. Oh, and this is the huge, when you think about the problem of evil, kind of like what Robert was saying earlier, this is, this is the reality we live in when we get the phone call from the doctor and they say, you've got cancer. So that, again, that goes into the natural evil. What happens when you get the phone call and it's terrible, and I pray that this never happens to anyone, but the reality of it is it happens. It happens more than we could ever imagine and more than we ever want to know. But you get the phone call your wife who says that someone has been touching your child inappropriately or you yourself as a child were touched inappropriately or rape happens. And, and the reality of it, all these things cry out to us like oh my god how could this happen why did this happen i'm a christian and and these things are happening or or you know i'm considering the faith you know god god should protect me it's my best life now reality is that a lot of bad things happen 
And the reason that those bad things happen cause of the freedom of humanity um, to do good and also to do evil. You have the freedom to be a law-abiding citizen, but you also have the freedom to go out and do something god-awful. And as terrible as that is, that is reality. And it cries out to us because it's the wrong action. These, like when someone, whenever you learn that someone that you love has been raped or someone you love is murdered, that, that is reality for some people. And, and to think that, oh my gosh, this happened. And yet God loves me and he loves us. And yet, why is there this pain? Why is there this suffering? And and we and and every one of us wants the pain to end. Every one of us wants the suffering to end. There's no Christian out there um, that's saying, "Oh yay, I'm all about evil." You know, you know that everyone suffers from this. This is a reality. I mean, whenever a, a government collapses and anarchy reigns for a short period of time before order is reestablished, everybody faces consequences of that um moral failing of authority you know and and christians aren't exempt from that and that and that's the reality and the the fact that this happens the fact that we acknowledge it that it happens is is proof that okay our world is messed up but not only is our world messed up so are we so am i who is Robert? As awesome as Robert is, <laughs> and he's pretty awesome. I've known him ten years. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's the reality of it. I mean, we are all messed up, and the one thing that we all say is, "When does it end?" And the Christians have a response. It may not be the response that we want right now. In that, okay, God's coming right now to end evil reality of it is that's part of the reason why we have government that's part of the reason why we have moral authorities is to arrest and if need be execute those people who commit evil you know i mean i'm not saying necessarily capital punishment but whenever there's a a bank robber and he's killed three people and the police know that he's going to kill another, and they have a shot, and they take the shot, they kill the robber. That is them doing their function in the right way. Now, obviously, as humans, moral authorities can be wrong. They can do things wrong. I'm not trying to say that they can't. That's kind of like the function of the moral authorities. If you imagine, you know, like the created order, kind of like what Robert talked about, world exists and there will be a day that, that world changes now god says that one day he'll return and he will establish his kingdom and it will be great and 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 we will not even think about the past anymore he will literally wipe away every t- he will literally comfort us that who are believers personally um, but between here and there is, is time. How much time? We don't know. The reality of it is 
that while we are still here in this world, there is a created order, and governments come into being, and those governments are meant to protect the innocent, you know, quote-unquote. I mean, obviously, we're talking about society. We're not talking about spiritual, so nobody's innocent spiritually, but talking about societally, there are innocents in the sense of society, like, you know, you've not went out and done something terrible, whereas somebody who has should be punished. And and there there is that order that exists to to uh, bless the um, ones that do good and and bring curse to the ones that do evil. And that's the that's the order that is intended between you know this uh, the, the first coming of Christ to the second coming of Christ, so to speak. And and if we say, well, God. Why don't, you know, as, as someone maybe kicking the tires of the faith, you know, you're like, well, why doesn't God come now? You know, why doesn't he stop evil right now? The problem is, is, our, is the human definition of evil and God's definition of evil aren't necessarily the same thing. We think, humanity-wise, we think of, obviously, rape, murder, uh of people's goods, you know, etc., things like that. But God, it's a little bit more inclusive. Evil is a deviation from what God intended something to be. You know, like kind of like what Robert was saying earlier. You know, there was a light, and now because we see the light, we can understand the darkness. You know, and 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 that's the thing. Um, we all have darkness. We all. Are evil, and that, you know, and that's the point of Jesus. So, in a way, God's answer for evil is Jesus, because our standards of evil and God's standards of evil are not exactly the same. Now, does He see murder and see that it is wrong? Absolutely. But Jesus said that if you curse your brother in your heart, you've murdered him already. So, God's standard of good and evil is more so than ours, if that makes sense. Like, it's more intense. Like, you know, we talk about, you know, loving God. Well, do you really love God if you're looking up porn and this and that and you're struggling with it and you're, and you're trying, to, trying to overcome those things? And, and you give it to God and he, he doesn't do anything because... You're watching things that you should be watching. You know, you're not getting accountability in those things, and you're struggling with it. You know, those things happen because of a moral failing on our our on our end. You know, and thinking, kind of thinking about that, like diving in a little bit deeper into that. Would would I? And this question would be posed to to either of you. Do you think that the majority of our our suffering is because I guess a, a lot of people might have this question, do you think the majority of suffering out there comes beca- comes about because God is allowing it or just as a natural result of our fallen state and as our sin? Like wh- how how would you say like how how much do you think God has 
God plays a role in in what he allows or how he's kind of shaping our suffering in our lives. Well, one 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 important thing that you know we've not talked about um, that I think probably should be addressed is there is in the in the Christian faith there is an entity that's out there whose sole purpose is to create mischief and mayhem, and he has legions of fallen angels with him. I'm not trying to you know, make that the scapegoat necessarily because we all have chosen individually to sin and Adam and Eve, obviously in the very beginning, they chose to eat of the fruit, but Satan was there to tempt us. You know, he might be the one that whispers thought suggestion, but we're the ones individually that take the action to do whatever, whether that's steal something or something more horrific, you know, uh, in in the terms of murder or rape or whatever. Those things happen because of our decisions of our free will, having those choices to do those things or not do those things, having that freedom, then also having that sin tendency that selfish tendency, um, you know, things of that nature. That would be my kind of answer to that, but Robert might have a, you know, or more in-depth. Yeah, uh, my my response to that question would be, you know, the idea of the relationship between God's allowance versus, you know, free will in and of itself. I I see the universe as a both-and situation mm-hmm. because— Christian doctrine says that God is all-powerful. He is the great sovereign. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that happens um, in the universe is under his control, and he actually has the power to stop any one of those things. But for every single bad thing that does happen, that obviously has to mean logically following the domino, not, uh, the domino's cause and effect. That must mean that that thing happened and God allowed it to happen. He did not stop it for whatever reason. And actually, um, I was thinking that would be a good follow-up question for anyone out there listening to this. Is It's one thing to think, okay, yeah, human free will explains human evil. God did not cause the bad. That human being and his or her decisions caused the bad. But follow-up question would be, okay, why would God allow that to happen, especially in situations where there is an innocent victim in accordance to societal laws and in the situation? Because, I mean, at, at the time we're recording this, to get a little relevant, at the time we were recording this, the Gabby Petito case is still open. This looks like a situation where the guy lost his temper and brutally killed his girlfriend. Now, that is what it really looks like. Now, why would God allow it to get that far so that Gabby Petito had to had to die if she was innocent in the situation? And there are so many possible responses to that question because we've all heard that expression, you know, I, I killed two birds, one stone. It just means I got many things done with one action. Now, God bird is killer. bird killer. <laughs> now, God, God's not a bird killer, but <laughs> he's the perfectly efficient one. He's the king of efficiency. So not only does he know what 
is going to happen. He actually knows all the possibilities based on what people could or could not choose in certain situations. So he could allow something to happen in one frame of time so that something he intends to occur 10, 15 years down the road uh, as the butterfly effect has runs its course so that that could take place. Um, for example, someone, and I'm getting very dramatic for those out there listening, that way we're all in agreement that these dramatic things are evil. Somebody kidnaps a child, takes them somewhere, tortures and kills this child for whatever sick reason they have. We have heard these things on the news before. It's horrible, but it happens. Why in the world would God allow that child to suffer at the hands of this man or woman, usually a man, and their decisions, the decisions that they make? But one reason I can think of, and again, getting into God's mind can be dangerous, but one thing that I've always explained to people is um, condemnation uh, as the ultimate judge, God being the ultimate judge, uh, standing in judgment over fallen humanity. Uh, for example, Brian, for uh, just a little tidbit for anyone, I did not meet Brian until this show got started. Now, if I accuse Brian of being lying, cheating jerk, he he would not know where in the world I was coming from. He'd, he'd ask me based on what, what in the world did I do to that guy? So I think one possible reason God allows these things to occur if someone chooses to do something that horrific, so that in the judgment day, and believers believe that this day will actually come, that man will stand in front of the one and only and give an account for what he's done. Now, if the king of kings tries to tell him that he is wicked and spoiled and evil and deserves the judgment of hell, no matter how unpopular the, the, the subject of hell is, he deserves hell, it would be far too easy for him to deny what he is if God had stopped him from doing that thing 15 years ago. So if he actually, actually feels like he can try to talk back to the judge, Judge is just going to replay what he did in that moment. Is the, all the evidence that might be needed to conde condemn that man is right there because he was allowed to be entrapped in his own actions. Uh, we hear stories all the time of the police uh, baiting predators by pretending to be young children on the internet, and they'll try to bait that person out. Once you get that person to the airport to meet that fictional young person, you know that person's motives. There's no question of what they intended to do. There's strings and strings of racy messages telling you exactly what was in that guy's heart and mind at the time he was captured. And this is one reason I possibly think God could have for allowing situations like that to occur. And of course, there are tons and tons of other possibilities that we could never even consider just sitting here because none of us know the future like he does. One thing I always like to say and um, I say this all the time, but I don't mean it in a snarky way. You'll hear me give that disclaimer constantly because I'm trying to build a bridge with people. I'm not trying to come across a certain way over a podcast. But if anyone ever comes to me and points to a particular situation and asks, why on earth did God allow this to happen? Don't even skip a beat. I just all every single time I say, "Well, God allowed this to happen so that you would be standing here right now asking me that question." 
because <laughs> without it, you might not have even asked that question at all, and that's where you capture human hearts. And 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 also, I mean, you think about it. Uh, whenever something horrific does happen, what is your immediate response? Your immediate response is, "Why is this happening? What is wrong? There's something wrong. There's something wrong with that guy or that girl." or what have you, and it's testifying, you know, to us as individuals that there's something wrong with them, that with these people. But at the same time, you know, going back to what I was saying before about God's standards being different than ours, that we might have to ask ourselves the question, is there something within my heart that, you know, you know have I lusted? after someone who's not my wife or, you know, et cetera, you know, whatever, ever issues that could be out there, you know, that people wrestle with and struggle with, you know, it gets you to ask the question, you know, no, I may have not done this wicked and evil thing, but I've, you know, committed idolatry. You know, whenever I decided instead of loving God, I decided instead to create a God in my own image. And that God is morally wrong, you know, for us to do such a thing, you know. And then, and in that case, it's like, well, that deserves judgment too. It may not be the same act, but that sin, so to speak, that wrong action is manifesting itself in different way. You know, some people might struggle because they struggled with porn, and then it escalated and escalated and escalated and escalated to the point where they're going out and they're raping women or you're you're you think that you're in control of your life and you're really not but you think you are and you create a god in your own image and you think god's okay with everything you do and the reality of it is maybe he's not okay with everything you do maybe there are some issues you have to own up to well it, it's my life it's my body it's my choice it's yada 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 well is it really your body what if what if it's what if you're bought with a price it's not really your body anymore for i'm speaking for us that are believers you know maybe it's not our body anymore maybe it's we've given we've surrendered that right to god and said Okay, well, you're Lord. That means that you're in charge. Uh, you know, speaking to believers, well, if you're in charge, then he has a right to dictate to us how we should live our lives. If we deviate from that, are we really different from other people? Are we really different than that? And we have to ask ourselves the question, maybe sometimes the evil is allowed, that we would ask the right questions of ourselves and others. Stuff. So, so let me ask you this: um, Would you say, when when we're talking about like moral sin, and and I'm not you know talking about natural sin, Robert, like that that you were talking about earlier, like of course hurricanes are going to hit, is going to wash away your home. Um, someone's going to get cancer and 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 die or or have to suffer through cancer like obviously you know they're not choosing for that to happen that's just that's just a result of of the fallen world and 
just just a state of the imperfection that we live in but when we look at moral sin people who are are choosing to do these bad things to other people um uh, when it comes to to a matter of free will would you say it's it's also comes down to a question of pride and, and pride and what i'm talking about pride in in the sense of i'm doing what i want to do not necessarily what god wants me to do or if if i'm sinning you know maybe not you know murder rape but uh, any other sin that you're looking at is that pride of thinking that i know what's best for me and i'm i'm looking out for myself and um that's going to lead to potentially more suffering potentially escalating further and further and kind of spiraling out of control um comes from a source of of someone not being able to humble themselves to the point where they say look i i have to turn to a god i have i have to turn to jesus i i have to turn my life over because left to my own devices i don't know what's best for me i don't know how to live the life i should lead and 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 i think maybe pride stands in the way and that's what leads to that sin and suffering is um a, a lot of times you know um having having that pride that prevents you from taking responsibility for your actions or to um, believe that, you know, this isn't going to get out of hand, this isn't going to lead to something else. It, it, it can affect you, it can affect your loved ones, it can cause you to do something that hurts somebody else um, who, who definitely didn't deserve it, who definitely, you know, you know, wasn't asking for it, but through that act of your free will and your pride, you, you are affecting and adding to the suffering and to the sin of the world. Like, am I making sense? Like, am, am I thinking I about think that correctly? And, and I would say it's a mixture of both pride and selfishness. Yes. I would say, you know, uh, yes, there's pride in not willing to admit. There's also selfishness. I mean, I'm married. I've been married for 10 years, and nine times out of 10, the issues that she and I have is over being selfish. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that, you know, to the extreme, you know, there's pride and there's selfishness. I mean, selfishness in the sense of, I know what's best. I mean, kind of like what you mentioned earlier, kind of like, I know what's best for me. Well, you really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, we, we just had a, a, a child two years ago. Well, April will be two years. And if you would have asked me before that child was born, <laughs> if I knew that a child would be good for me, I would have laughed. And if you would have tried to hand me a child, I would have run away. <laughs> I say this seriously because I was at a church function at somebody's house. And they had a child. And this was back in 2015, way, way before I had our son, which is two, almost two years now. Um, 
They literally tried to hand me a child just to hold the child. And you I just recoil in terror. I yeah. recoiled and I literally <laughs> jumped off the porch. Off, you know, ran away. Literally. <laughs> literally. I mean, wow. I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm wow. not making this up. I literally <laughs> ran away. And if you would have asked me what is best for me, I would have said to never have a child. My wife would have said the same. No, she probably wouldn't have ran away because, you know, she's more comfortable with children than I was. But if you had asked her before she had you know, our son, she would have said, no, I, and, and that was the thing. That was the reality. Whenever he was born, I came to the conclusions like, man, I really do not know what's best for me because this child that came into my life is one of the best things that's ever happened to me aside from my marriage with my wife. I mean, it, I thought I knew what I wanted. I thought I knew what was best for me. Eh, well, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. And as as uh, as you and Robert have kind of been talking, I've I've started to think too, as well. Is you know, I, God loves every single one of us um, more mm-hmm. than we can possibly fathom. And, you know, part of of the the goal of of the Christian heart is to is to love everyone else uh, the way God loves us. But, you know, we we falter in that respect a lot. But Mm -hmm. um, going back to kind of the free will notion, um, you know, I start to think about how much of the suffering is god really respecting our our free will and saying you know if you look at if you look at the state of the world as a whole if you have society that's moving further and further away from god um things tend to be getting worse and worse i think we can all agree like the world's in a bad pickle right now and uh how much of that is God saying, okay, you're turning away from me. You're wanting me to have less and less influence. So I'm going to take my hand off the wheel and I'm going to let you all drive. I will respect your wishes. I will take a step back and I will distance myself because that's what you want. And things start getting progressively worse as we kind of take over more control. And I think a lot of times that's what happens in our individual lives. I mean, you you have that happening on a societal level, but you can also see that on... Uh, your personal level, I know if, if I'm really trying to pray and if I'm really trying to stay in tune with what God would want me to do, I, I tend to find that life seems a bit easier. Maybe not in the moment, like if I'm having to make a decision, I have to um, I have to make a choice, you know, of, of, of yeah, I I've got unexpected bills, but I should still tie this month or or give this month. I really need that money. Um, in that moment of of following God, 
that may I'm, I may think that that's going to impact me, but usually I'm I'm rewarded or I, I get so much more out of following God than if I just say no. I, I know what's best for me. I I need to take care of this, you know, kind of my way, and that usually leads to more suffering in the long run, and. So um, I, I tend to think that that suffering's not God allowing it, but but God kind of respecting our wishes when we say, you know, we want more control and then look where it leads. You, know, you might you might get what you want and you might regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Um, but no, that's it's really fascinating. And um, it's and I also think, too, and and, and what what listeners need to understand whether you're you're a christian or whether you're you're not whether you're agnostic um, um on the fence is christians suffer just as much as anybody else i think the difference is how do christians deal with that suffering um, and, and I think that's a point we need to address is is how how does the Christian heart differ from a non-Christian heart in terms of, of the same suffering is going to happen to both. But, but what is your what is your outlook? How do you how do you get over that onto the other side and, and kind of what does that look like? That's a phenomenal question, honestly, because. Uh, where uh, har- where horrors in our lives come, that is the opportunity that we have uh, to be a witness to the world. Mm-hmm. And your question made me think, well, first of all, the two things kind of stringing together, uh, both from Paul. Um, he wrote a great portion of the New Testament for anyone out there who hasn't heard the name before, but Paul wrote a passage in Romans talking about uh, the state of the world in general, and he described the human race in general from top to bottom. And he actually says that God, seeing their hearts and what they wanted most, he actually handed them over condemnation. It's one of the, if you really grasp it, it's one of the scariest statements in Scripture. He handed them <clears throat> over to their own destruction because that's all they wanted wanted in life. That was their heart. So he simply gave them what they wanted, and that explains the vast majority of uh, the pre of pre-christian history and even christian history when they uh, duct taped a cross to the front of corrupt politics for most of european history but uh he handed them over but uh, jumping to the other uh pauline quote he paul also said that in the face of death and i know there are more things of uh examples of suffering than just death but as the context he wrote this in, he said that we rejoice with patience, unlike those who have no hope. Mm-hmm. And so those who are not believers, who don't have an anchor, hold on to when the waves are tossing around. Um, Christians mm-hmm. love using waves as a metaphor for uh, disaster, <laughs> but literally, uh, yeah. literally all the time. Mm-hmm. Just listen to the radio for five minutes on a Christian station. Yeah. Uh, waves, waves, if you can, waves. If you can stomach hearing the same songs <laughs> over and over and over again for hours. Yes. Waves and giants. They, they can't get over Goliath. But, uh, <laughs> Amen. But when waves and giants and everything else on Christian radio comes your way, uh, for, for real though, seriously, when those things do come your way, the hard realities behind those metaphors 
Christians have the opportunity to look towards something greater. And your, your question, what is a believer's genuine response to something like this when they face it? Um, honestly, it it is a patience that transcends human understanding if they don't have uh, a true go- a true grasp of the gospel. Because if they don't really believe, this is true for many cultural Christians too, people who go to church, speak the language, sing the songs, but their thinking in the back of their minds doesn't apply the story to their world. They don't really think and process things as if it's true at all. For those who really, truly believe that what they believe is really true, those are the people who are more most prepared to face the darkness in the world because that they they know that even though there's no light right in front of my face right now, the light hasn't disappeared because the light of the world lives outside of time. He's just waiting for his perfect timing even if we can't see it. So a Christian funeral could have a, an entirely di- different atmosphere from an atheistic funeral because instead of just remembering the good of the person, a Christian funeral will actually look forward to a reunion that the atheistic funeral has no room for in their thinking. Because mm, they're yeah. saying goodbye, they're remembering the person, literally everything about that person's personality, their very existence, their essence is gone. The Christian doesn't agree with that. They believe that that person was an entity outside of the body and they'll continue to carry on. The same, to an extent, is true of the physical world as well. Uh, we hinge on uh, a promise that the heavens, the earth, that just, mean, that just means the planet and the cosmos, everything that we live in, is going to be remade and redone by the God who did it the first time. And it was that easy for him to do it the first time, it'll be easy for him to do it again. So as we live in a world that's corrupted, the, the, the watch with the the gears slightly out of focus, as I said before, as we live through that kind of world, the watchmaker is going to fix the watch, and the watch will tell time correctly again. Um, the phone will plug itself back up. I used that metaphor earlier too. The battery will recharge. Um, everything that was ever wrong with this world that our hearts cry out against is going to be remade. And even though we can't see it, we can't bank on it right now. In in terms of getting immediate benefit that the world can see, the way we respond to those things is the benefit that the world sees. It's a spiritual benefit, mm-hmm. the simple patient knowledge that those things are coming. And once those things are here, the things that had come in the meantime, all the stuff from the past, it will be in the past. Paul, Paul another quote from Paul is, the uh, the glory that's coming our way will make all the pain that we had to endure to get there a pale in comparison and practically disappear from our consideration when we finally get to that moment of glory. Um, it's kind of um, like, I'm trying to find a good metaphor for this, but it's kind of like a child trying to get through a final exam to get to summer break. Once that exam is done, even though it was awful to get through, Summer break begins, and that exam can be pretty much forgotten. Someday when we get to that happy time, everything that was in the past will be in the past and stay in the past, and we'll remember it and we'll glorify God for overcoming it for us. We'll never have to experience it firsthand again. So it's that patience that we we have to endure the hardship. Because 
uh, as we've said again and again, and I'll say it one more time because it, it, it's so worth uh, people just grasping it. No matter what you believe, we're all stuck in the same suffering world. Yes. A Christian has that response to it. Someone who doesn't believe in anything spiritual is stuck in this rut, tires spinning in the mud, and they can't get out of it. Because you will have to live your life and pass away with the same amount of suffering. There's no ultimate answer to that. An atheistic, naturalistic view of the universe. So uh, just confronting the, the, the present with the hope of the future, that, that's the great model of Scripture. A person after person looking forward to the cross in the Old Testament lived their entire lives, passed away with a promise on their lips that they never actually got to see this side of heaven. Hebrews 11, the whole chapter, Hebrews 11, just celebrates their faithfulness despite not getting it right then and there. And now we get to look back at the cross, and as we look back at the cross, it gives us hope for the future. The cross is the great bookend of the time we're living in. We look back to what he did before, anticipate what he's going to do soon, and in the meantime, we just wait for that to play out. And and just kind of the segue and kind of add a little bit also, you know, one thing that is a question that often we have, not necessarily Christians, but sometimes, um, what's my life for? You know, what purpose my life for well first and foremost the believer there's a a solid answer for that and that's to love god Mm -hmm. you know that's to love of god and love others and and how how do we do that how do we love others it's by walking beside them and sharing in their suffering um obviously Helping to minimize suffering whenever we can. Helping to, yeah. Yeah, And, 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 you know, it's all interesting and loving, you know, whenever someone who's not walked through the fire, who hasn't, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll wish you good luck and, you know, they'll pray for you and things like that. But when someone walked through the fire and like, I mean, I'm just going to use this as an example. Someone who, as a child, was molested and turned to Jesus, found healing, and then takes that ministry to find those people and to help them through that horrific thing. You know, it gives them purpose in their life. You know, it gives them, you know, something that, Nothing can ever make that go away on this side of earth, but it gives them a means to help others. And a lot of times when we focus on our pain and our hurt, we're focused on ourselves. Whenever we stop and we see other people that are hurting around us, and we can point them to Jesus, we can point them to the future that this life isn't all there is yes you went through something terrible and it's awful but you can get through it and not only can you get through it you can thrive and then you can help others and then and and then you're ministering to people then you're being the light that god wants us to be 
and it gives you meaning to your life. Whereas if if it's just the atheistic view and there's 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 no hope. There's no well that you know that that sucks that that happened to you but oh well, well maybe find some humanitarian effort to try to combat that but in the end that's all you know shifting sand that won't last but if you have open god and you know believe that christianity is true that's that hope that we have mm-hmm. not only is there a here and now that we can work and we can help people and we can minister to those people because it's not just the pastors, it's not just the deacons, it's not just the evangelical or, or evangelists, I'm sorry, evangelists. It's not just them. It's up to us. We have responsibility to actually go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and provide that healing to people, you know, to help them through those things. You know, there are such things as Christian counselors that help people through those things. And, you know, maybe they experience something similar to that that helped bring them to the faith so that they can then help others, give them the hope of the future that, you know, yes, this was done and it was terrible it was done to you, but let's 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 move forward. Let's 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 help others and let's let's overcome. And that's the thing. But you can't overcome those things, but if you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you and showing you the truth, he will help you through. He is the great comforter. When my parents passed away within four months' time, it was the church. It was the Holy Spirit providing comfort for me, learning the passages of Scripture, learning the truth of what was going to happen in the end. And Satan is cast down permanently, and and the new heavens and the new earth are established, and I get to see the family members that chose to believe in God, that love God like I do. I get to see them again. That's that's a hope that you can't find in naturalism. That's a hope that defies many of the religions out there. I'm not going to knock on them, but they don't have this hope. They don't have this narrative that God is going to set things right. And the other thing is, we pray that all people repent. We want all people mm-hmm. to believe. But there are going to be people who do wicked things that get off scot-free on this side of heaven. But there's no getting away from what is to come when God is the judge. I mean, obviously, we want all people to repent, and we want all people to believe, but not all people are going to do that, and those people also are going to do wicked things. They may not experience judgment here and now, but it's coming, and there's no getting away from it. There's no court of appeals except for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like to think about it as well. As I mean that 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 was that was phenomenal, Zach. Um, it's I I think you nailed it. Like our our suffering, it's so hard to get in the mindset of of an atheist where it's you're born, you suffer greatly here on Earth, 
and then you just turn to dust and you just don't exist anymore like a lot of people they get the sense of my my suffering has to mean something there's got to be a reason why i suffered and they they try to they try to attribute meaning to that and without having god to rely on and to draw that well from from draw strength from from that well um that that is god and and the holy spirit is you know people people always think of just like you know i'm 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 cursed here on earth with this cancer riddled body, you know, why can't I have this perfect body that that never gets sick, that that never decays or you know, why can't I live, you know, in a world where I can I can pursue my dreams of being a painter, being a musician and never have to, you know, slum it at whatever job that that I'm at that I hate or, uh, you know, why do I have to be in a world where I have to watch other people suffer and I can't do anything to help them? And people ask these questions, you know, why can't I live and in this perfect world or why can't i have that and what people don't realize is that's exactly what god is offering you P- i i i non-christians or or people who don't believe they they don't understand this but our bodies are going to carry with us on, on the new earth and and this is way down the road in the podcast but when we die our our bodies are going to go on the ground and for a temporary moment we're going to be in in heaven but god is going to resurrect our physical bodies as they are now but is going to transform them into those perfect vessels that never get sick, that never decay, that never have a problem. Um, and you, as or for, for Christians, your spirit is, your soul is going to be reunited with this invigorated physical body that is once again going to roam the earth on a perfect earth. And people, I don't think, fully grasp that. And that is what God is offering you. God is saying, if you follow me, if you put your faith in me and, 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 you, and, and you choose to, to follow me, I will grant you what you want as not having a sick body, not having to live in a fallen world, not having to put up with all the suffering that goes on around us. Um, I mean, to, to, to the listener out there that's on the fence, imagine yourself in your physical body perfect you hear better you see better you smell and you taste things better you never get hurt you never get sick you never have to worry about anything and you're walking around and you're breathing the cleanest air you've ever experienced you're seeing color in ways you've never seen before you're you're getting to um 
you're you're getting to to do things that that invigorate your soul and really give you purpose uh, and if you're if you can imagine that in, in your mind that is the exact thing that god is offering and he's he's not asking really for anything in return all he's really asking for and we'll go more into this when we get into jesus but all he's asking for is faith you don't have to do anything you don't have to none of your works here on earth how good of a person you think you are and how many good deeds that's not going to help you all he wants is faith and you to believe and you have that perfect life and you will have that perfect life for eternity um and i mean sorry that went on a tangent there i know that that's kind of moving towards other things but people have to realize like this this period while we're on this earth is just a mere blip when you consider an eternity of just bliss and joy and perfection um yeah and 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 the reality of it is is we can look at the you know the um natural world and we see the flaws in it we look at ourselves and our we look at our neighbors and we see the flaws in them and we see the flaws in ourselves you know and just as a side note you know christians are just as frustrated with themselves mm -hmm. as non-christians are frustrated with christians you know like i can't tell you how many times i've said something or done something or whatever and i've myself metaphorically speaking not literally although that might have a couple times um but uh we we fail and we mess up and you know we get it wrong as far as like our attitudes and and our actions don't always line up but again it goes back to that that the hope that we have in Jesus i mean mm -hmm. hope that we have and the you know his promises i mean of the created order where there won't be tornadoes where there won't be death and and you know there's another thing i mean to think that you know going going back to what you're talking about just you're you're you know speaking about the the future to, to come imagine those family members that you love that pass away and they are you know believers imagine seeing them again okay let me let me reverse this imagine imagine seeing your your grandmother wither to bones and passing away and and that being the last image you see of them on this side of heaven then knowing that one day in the future you're going to see them again mm -hmm. and they're not going to be sick they're not going to be frail they're not going to they're all the issues that they had they won't have anymore because they'll have a new body and you'll be able to hug that person you'll be able to talk to them again whereas right now you don't have that you know because they've already passed on you have the hope of seeing your family members that have went on to be with the Lord, you know, so to speak, that's what we call it, 
and and that is another just i mean even if you didn't have that even if you just got to be with jesus and that was it and you didn't get to see anything else but it's there's so much more there to see so many people that have come before you family members that you didn't even know were praying for you the intricacy of the how how just people in the past of moot came and believed in in the gospel and and you know lived and died and you get to see them you know like paul hanging out with imagine hanging out with paul or luke <laughs> or somebody you know and you're like you know that paul didn't have a good life at the end he got his head chopped off by nero but get to listen to him give a lecture you know assuming you know who knows exactly what the new heaven and new earth will be like but i mean you'll get to spend time with those people you'll get to see jesus you get to see the the scars in his hands to know the how much you know how much does god love me he i mean you'll see it in his hands you'll see it in the the scars on his body that how much he loves you he loves you so much that he endured all those things he humbled himself mm-hmm. you know he he could have you know whatever but he chose to humble himself and empty of himself of you know his you know, glory and come down to our world and suffer a death that he didn't have to suffer that we could be with him i mean you know, or you could, you know, be an atheist and ashes to ashes and dust to dust. I mean, that's it. It's I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, um, little a belief here, but I'm just kind of stating it out like, here's the case of Christianity in the sense of hope that we have versus the, Lack of anything that you have under the umbrella of naturalism, under the um, umbrella of insert whatever, you know. I mean, here's the hope that Jesus offers versus nothing that naturalism doesn't even offer you. It can't offer you any, it can't even offer you anything more than subjective anything. Right. Yeah. Robert, um, Zach, yes. uh, I know we're kind of running a little bit long. We'll start our wrap up here. But uh, Robert, uh, do you have uh, any last closing thoughts? Um, I, I know uh, Zach and I just kind of was or we're kind of playing off of each other and we kind of went on there. But uh, we'll give you kind of the last word. Um, any other thoughts you have and, and want to close this out? <laughs> um. Yeah, the I mean, honestly, it I couldn't think of a better way to land the plane than it's already been. Jesus is the perfect way to land the plane. In the meantime, I actually have a friend loves to summarize everything that's been said. He says, Your misery is your ministry and it's nothing that hasn't been said already. That's a phenomenal bumper sticker. So if there's anything to close <laughs> this out with, your misery is your ministry because the great minister entered into the misery. And so just remember for all those out there, whether you believe you're curious or even if you're staunchly against it, there is no pain too hard or too intense for the King of Kings to wipe over. So if anyone faces suffering, which is literally everybody, 
Mm-hmm. And suffering should be the great arrow that points to all of this. Um, you know, every, I can't rehash what's already been said. It would be a waste of time. But your family, your own health, world in which you live, the, the life you could have lived, the person you could have been, confusion you may have felt throughout your entire life, everything finally come to a happy ending. Every career that was cut off, every family member that said goodbye too soon, healed in that one event at Calvary. And that's the Christian message. That is the great hope. So the, suf- the story of suffering from a Christian perspective has got to be a story of hope or else it's not genuinely committed to the, to the story of the universe as the Bible presents it. I'll quote Billy Graham, personal hero of mine, and I'll be finished with anything I have to say. I don't know where he said it, but it was at a crusade he, he preached to thousands of people one day when he was younger. He, he was talking about what in the world is wrong with the world. That was the message of his, his the, the title of his message. And he actually said, he held up his Bible and he said, I'm not worried about it. I've read the last page. I know how the story ends. I cheated and peaked, so I'm good <laughs> to go. And he that was his whole point was for those who have the Bible cover to cover, we know how it ends. Wow. I I, I know personally I, I love being able to draw on that hope and, and that joy that you know all of this isn't isn't for nothing and that it does get better and we will have eternity in 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 perfection and um what we'll do is uh as we start moving away from from talking about god and suffering we're we'll start moving into how does one obtain that and uh what do we have to do and and that is faith in jesus and so we're going to start transitioning into why was jesus necessary why did god send jesus how did how did this dude two thousand years ago getting hung on a tree how does that grant me eternal life? You know, how, how does that even fit in? So um, we're, we're going to start pivoting more towards uh, talking about Jesus, talking about his life, what he did for us, kind of the, the theological side of, of what that means, um, that he did that um, and who he was. Um, so you can look forward to that uh, the next few episodes that we move into. And with that, we want to thank everyone for listening uh, this week. And I know we've had a lot of fun. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Robert. And to everyone else uh, listening, we hope you join us for our next episode. So thanks, everyone.